From Hong Kong, this is Maya Kupa, the Lessons Learned from Startup podcast, based on Postmortem Conference, where founders, investors, lawyers, and mentors share their stories about working on, with, or for startups. I'm Jeffrey Brewer, and today we talk to Thomas Pun, an entrepreneurial technical product manager with a strong sense of UX, design, and business. Started at Apple as a video codec engineer and had way too many tech advisor roles at known and lesser known startups to mention. He's a Stanford and Y Combinator alumni. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you, Jeffy. Thanks for having me. You started at Apple, but how eventually did you end up in startups? Ah, uh, good question. Um, actually, before Apple, I've always been interested in startups. So right after my bachelor degree, I, I did kind of try to start something, my friends. Um, at the time, we, we had no idea. I kind of still had no idea how to do this. But uh, all my friend was, you know, we never launched anything. We didn't know. We didn't talk to anyone. So we kind of started a few months. So, so technically, that was kind of my first startup. Um, and that didn't go well. And everyone kind of had a full-time job. I went to Apple. They, most of them came back to Hong Kong. And uh, uh, around the time that I came back, um, after six, seven years at Apple, I actually came back because of family reason. Um, so I came back. And um, my really good friend and also ex-colleague of Apple, um, he's, he's actually non-Chinese, but he's really into Chinese and Asia culture in general. So I said, hey, I want to move to Asia. He got bored at Apple too. And I told him, well, you can't find that many interesting engineering work. Mind you, that was like 06. So it was like 14 years ago. So a lot has changed by now. But... Um, so I told him, hey, you know what? We, we worked together well. Um, we launched something, I also call it something significant. You know, maybe we can try starting something. So that's kind of how we started to talk about startup more uh, seriously. Uh, we did that. And I was following program, Hacker News, and I saw this Y Combinator thing on TechCrunch. Like anyone who's starting startup, that's the first things that they, they read is TechCrunch. Um, and... We apply, and, and we were lucky. We got in. Um, that's kind of how, how it got started. And what was the idea that you came in with at uh, Y Combinator at that point? So at the time, uh, cell phones starting to get popular, iPhone. Um, the time when we applied, I think it was uh, 3G, iPhone 3G just came out, and they start having video recording, but it was really crappy. And as you said, I was a video codec engineer, I, those things really bugs me. So when I look at like those videos, like, oh, this is so ugly, you know, we can fix this, we can make this, do this and that. So we thought, oh, maybe, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll build a service to help company process their mobile video. And, you know, because we also does a lot of the pipeline, so video processing pipeline. So we basically build, you know, for now, we'll probably describe mobile video processing as a service. Um, again, at that time, SARS wasn't even a thing. So that was the idea that we submitted. Okay, and uh, you got in. We got in, yes. That was, it sounds more like that was accidental. I wasn't expected it. It was my second time applying. Uh, first time I applied with some friends that I met in Hong Kong, random people, didn't even get a call or anything. So second time around, I applied with someone. Not later I find out, you know, they really like this combo, like a tag team you know, tech team people that have built something together. Um, so we were lucky we got in. So I, I didn't really have much expectation I was going to do it anyways. So that's that's why I felt like it was... 
to be honest, I felt we were really lucky because we didn't we didn't have startup experience. I didn't really know much about it. Uh, even my co-founder didn't even know what Y Combinator was at the time. At that point, you were doing video for the mobile, or the, uh, the the iPhone. But what was the actual sellable idea that you sold to Y Combinator as the product that you were going to ah, roll so, out? Right. So at the time, the only way you can actually upload a video uh, on the iPhone was through email. Um I don't know how many of your listeners actually remember way back, but back then they don't, you can't do background upload, you can't do a lot of these things. And email was kind of the only thing that kind of be done in background. So we actually built a email service that allow basically a third party, actually consumer too. We, we didn't know about this to C2B thing. So we kind of built this, oh, you know what? You know, my mom can use it. This company can use it. So our, our positioning wasn't great, but Ultimately, what it does is we actually let you compose an email address so we can turn a video to black and white, fix the entire shake, you want to add a title um, and kind of like make it an email address and send that video to that email address. And when it's done processing, it will email you back that video. So almost like outsourcing editing for video automated. I would like to call that was like Instagram before Instagram. <laughs> I think you missed out there on something there. <laughs> it was way too early. You, you went to YC. Uh, how, how did that startup end it? So after we got in, we're like, okay, wow, this is set. You know, we, we're very excited. Uh, first of all, the first thing I really remember pausing at, at the beginning of the first kind of gathering was like, well, you know, at the end of this program, you're probably not going to see some of your batchmates here. I was like, why? You know, it's like, you got in, you know, this is a good thing. Why would you not want to finish it? And it did. So some, some people actually disappear, like they quit kind of in between. Um, but after the first week, we have office hour and PG say, I don't like your idea. <laughs> have you find any customer? Anyone want to pay for this? I'm like, why do we need to find someone who want to pay for this? We just build this and it'll come, right? We haven't built this yet. So we tried, and that was the time we actually started to talk to customers. Uh, we did a couple uh, company, and, and that was the, one of the awesome things about YC is that there's, within the ecosystem and the alumni network, there were kind of enough uh, companies in there that would probably use the service, whatever you're building. So we were able to like, reach out to those people, and uh, they said, well, actually, you know what? I don't, I don't need this, but... Can you actually help us transcode the video? You know, I have this video, I want it into different sizes and bitrate. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, that was exactly what we did back in Apple because we were doing the iTunes video store. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. It's like, I don't want to do that again. Um, that's what I did at Apple. It's like, I'm doing startup, I want to do something different. Um, one of the mistakes I think I made. Uh, but my, uh, but, you know, long story short, because of that, we actually didn't launch the service that we got it. And in fact, we, after that week, we go through different ideas like every week. So there's a weekly dinner every week. We have an idea. We did something to it. Either we talk to user and we show people around within that week or during the office hour. So we were doing like three, four ideas until probably a month in. Um, and that was when we kind of have like two ideas and we kind of start and we decided on one that we launched, um, the now move one, Twitter TV idea. 
Did you? Because when you uh, when you applied, you had of course like ho- the hope that you got in. But um, did you prepare yourself at that point for saying like, hey, like we're going to do this for like five months, six months, or we have a certain runway in mind, or you just just go for it and see where it lands? Honestly, absolutely, I had no idea at the time. Um, I already quit my job at the time, so it wasn't opportunity causes and seems like huge. And um, th- that was a time when YC only gave out like twenty k. Um, so we were basically eating into the savings. So we basically raised right after uh, within the batch. And the good thing was, you know, my wife at the time, uh, well, my wife back then was my wife. Um, she she was working, so so we we had some support. Which you want to advise, I think, I think actually getting married is actually uh, something that's not intuitive, but that actually helps. <laughs> I mean, someone put bread on the table. What was her thing? Like, she's also Asian, right? She's Asian, yes. Yes, and Asian quite often have, uh, especially Asian wives, have a little bit different understanding of the family structure and that at that point, the man of the house usually uh-huh. should bring in the major chunk of the uh, of the household income. What was her uh, perspective on that? Like, was she uh, really supportive of that or she just want, thought it was just a phase for you or like what, what was her reaction on she that? She was super, super supportive. You know, she was still very supportive right now. She never stop supporting me uh, even at this time back then now our burn rate are much lower now we have kids and more kind of family commitment um, she didn't really give me any pressure at all um, and in fact she was the one a lot of times like, encouraging me because she feel like well you should be doing this this is we know like you want to do this she doesn't want me to make the decision solely because I do always have to bring you know get the end mitts per se. We, we, we have a little bit of runway, so we don't know when we get close to that what would change. Um, so we'll see. So then at that point, you graduated from uh, YC. Uh, you said you raised some money. Yes. What was next on that, uh, on that journey then? Ah, so we raised some money. We launched a product. I came from Apple, and again, I didn't know much about startup at all. And I thought, well, you build a product and people will come. I mean, no idea how to think about retention, acquisition, and all that. So we launched this thing. So I said, hey, you know, it, it wasn't working. It wasn't like what we expected. We thought, you know, like you go TechCrunch and, you know, boom, that's it, right? And the thing is, we have some really awesome uh, investors. And in fact, one of them um, is actually a celebrity. And once in a while, he treated our service. And then, boom, we got a lot of traffic. And we couldn't even handle the traffic. We were like, oh, man, it's like it fell again. You know, we got all this complaint and we have to fix them. So it's not like they can, like, continuously do this for us. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we, we, we did that for almost a year. We made probably like four or five iteration. Investor was, you know, lining up with talking to a lot of people, getting presented, getting a conference, all that. Um, but nothing really sticks. It was just like, uh, it, was, it doesn't feel like it's working. Um, in the high size, I think we were not executing it well enough, I think, uh, really. And then we kind of saw something shiny and said, oh, well, maybe this isn't working. Let's go do that. Uh, so we built another product that's iPad only. Uh, that also, you know, it's, it's very nicely designed. It works really well. And we got featured on iTunes Store, all that. And, you know, we got 
we actually got even more people um, tweeting about us. And we, but, but nothing, like when you look at the data, you know, retention was really bad. The number of users are really growing crazy. Uh, we do have a really core user, like core base user. People that mentions like, oh, you know, I've been, I have this for like five hours on, you know, they leave this on and they kind of do work. And uh, that was where we started to have the last idea, you know, kind of my startup. I was like, well, maybe this consumer thing isn't our thing. Like I can't do consumer. So we end up building a 2B product and try to help, you know, product manager to understand how people use the app. And it was a pain point at the time because we couldn't talk to this user because they were all in funny thing in Russia, uh, in mid US and in Southeast Asia. But those are not, not in San Francisco, not in New York where our investors are, where we are. Well, I'm like, okay, how are we gonna reach those people? Uh, that's why we kind of start building that tool and we build that tool uh, we have some paying customer that was also the first time we start charging. And again, you know, that also opened up another can of worms. Like how do you price your product? So we learned a lot from there. At the end of it, we got a soft landing, meaning that we ran out of money and we wanted to get a batch of honor. And we were lucky that we actually able to get something. Well, we got acquired. Officially, we got acquired. And um, that was it. It was like after three, almost four years. What was from that journey with, together with Y Combinator, the biggest key takeaway that you learned from that? There's so many. I think the biggest, and I think that kind of left the most impact on me was most successful founders are just like you and me. Uh, I think anyone can do it. It's really like, are you passionate enough to do it? Does it really bug you enough that you want to do this? Uh, do you kind of feel like there's a mission that you want to do it? Do you feel like this is a very, you know, lucrative business that you think you want to do it? The crazy kind of founders, they probably have something very unique, but I think most kind of successful startup founder, business founder, they're just like normal people. From that time, for instance, at, at Y Combinator, you got a lot of advice. You got a lot of mentors, uh, people uh, that uh, you have uh, office hours with and, and that kind of thing. Like which mentor still stands by you the most in the sense of uh, in your memory saying like, oh, that person, that, that, that mentor like really struck some inner feelings for me because what he said or what she said or what she did or something else like that. Was there anybody there that you there, really... There are a few. Um... Program so PG was good, you know. Was he taught me like no sugar coding, you know, focus. We had a lot of co-founder issues towards the end, and he was. If you don't really know him, if you're kind of not looking at it in an objective way, so like, oh, he's so cold and you know he doesn't care. But now, even at the times, like I, I actually felt relief, you know, and I talked to him. He was the first one to know that I'm thinking of breaking up my co-founders, and he was like. Okay, so what are you going to do next, right? Get your paperwork done, right? If you need help, talk to whoever for your paperwork. But what are you going to do next, right? So just move on. Um, and also say how you kind of put the message over to investor. You give me comment on how to structure investor update, all that. Um, second person, I'll say Ashton Kutcher. So he was our investor. And he was really helping me because his media background, he, he opened a lot of doors for us. Um, he was also very supportive. Um, you know, he would invite us over to to his office and kind of start brainstorming, kind of help us. And and throughout all this, there was never a moment that I felt like they were giving up on us. Um, that was very important. I think, you know, even though very clearly we're not doing that great, um, but they always responsive and always help out. And other, two other 
three other person I would like to thank. Um, there are two David Lee on my, my investor list, uh, both are ex-Google, but uh, one of them um, was SV Angel, so they help out a lot of the soft landing side. Um, the other one is also helping out a lot on the media side and, and just, you know, someone I, I don't mind hanging out with. Um, and we still kind of chat, you know, once in a while, we'll, we'll kind of see how each other doing. And when I had kind of career thing, I don't know about next step and stuff, I'll talk to him. And the last one was my batchmate, Justin. Um, he was much younger than me. He's basically sold his company before he finished high school. Actually, he dropped out of high school. So by the time it was like YC, it was... He's done like three, four uh, startups. He kind of like the person that I want to be for other people is he would just get to the point um, and he supportive. He kind of gave me a different perspective because, you know, when you hear from a peer versus you hear from investor, very different. Just for the listeners, uh, PJ is, of course, uh, Paul Graham. Paul Graham, yes. Yes. Founder of uh, YC. So at that point when you found out that like after four years, what I get from it, it wasn't really going anywhere what was your next step because at that point uh, you knew a little bit more about how to run a startup and uh-huh. you knew a little bit more about the no bullshit kind of culture how was it to say goodbye to that after four years that you worked so very hard on i guess i was kind of getting used to it because we you know during our time we officially launched three products that are relatively different products so every time we kind of say bye to <laughs> the previous one so towards the end, I, the, the reason why I kind of stopped doing what I was doing was because I knew that this business is not going to work long term. Um, I was proven wrong. I was, I was actually proven wrong. They're, they're, the company that's successful continued doing it. And, and the reason why I felt that way was because what we did was, again, way back in iOS where there's not a lot of support. We actually, I wouldn't say hack, but we really took advantage of some language feature to allow us to do what we do. And what we did was we do a one-line code change and allows you to capture interaction. You know, and we also even have all this privacy thing built in. If it's a password field, it won't get recorded. We won't re- record the, the, um, the keyboard stroke and all, a lot of those things. But every iOS releases, uh, when, whenever they have a new release, most of the apps will crash because we have holes that we have to patch and all that. So we just feel like, hmm, okay, well, this is probably only, you know, to a point where we couldn't patch all these holes. Um, what I should have done was, you know, we really try to grow it bigger, faster, and see if we can let that go, you know, instead of, you know, try to let it go in a dying state. So anyway, so so it was it was actually okay. It was okay. It was a relief. I think it was my first startup. It was very stressful. I, I experienced things I never experienced before. I thought I've gone through a lot, but you know, startup is a, a different different kind of stress. And uh, was it was good. It was like okay, you know, you have some culture, and you know, I feel like I'm I'm ready to explore and do other things. At that point, what were you going to do? Like, what what, what did you do? And, what did and, I do? And and how long did it take for you to figure that one out? I was, again, I was lucky. Uh, when I got back to Hong Kong, I got connected to, you know, a lot of people because of, you know, the YC and the Apple, the Bay Area. That was when, like, Hong Kong started to do startups. Uh, so I got connected to some investor, and uh, they wanted to start a new fund. So I was actually helping out 
as kind of venture partner. And because I, I don't know exactly what I want to do and they don't want to commit full time. So we were actually doing kind of venture partner part time. So it works out well uh, for a couple of months. And then I kind of help out, continue to help out, uh, uh, help him out on his other funds in different capacity. So that took, I don't know, I think, I think a few months before I kind of, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'll try this investing thing again. And at the time I started doing advisory as well. I, I started my first advisory when I was in YC, um, advising a company that actually do video transcoding services and they were very successful and they, they, they came back at it and they building another company that looks, is doing really well. Um, also doing the same thing, basically video. So yeah, so so that that's how, you know, when I had that advisory, I came back, I started to spend my time working with some other companies, kind of expand my network and, you know, learn from these founders as well. And then from that uh, advisory, you started another company again, Double. Double, yes. That's probably also, probably before that I first met you, that was probably before Double already. But can you tell a little bit more about Double and why you started it and how you started it? So after I was doing this venture fund VC thing, and after a while I felt like, hmm, I don't know if this is something I want to do full time. And in order for me to continue to do this, I do actually need to be more, I need to be in China more. I basically need to station there. And at the time, because we relocated, I was in Hong Kong. I went to school in Vancouver, did work in Bay Area, and then kind of came back to Hong Kong. I don't want to move again too quickly. So I decided not to pursue that, and I ended up exploring. And, just, and also because I started talking to startup again, so I, I got, you know, I have this bug, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should do this again. Uh, so I, I did, and I, I started something uh, locally, and that was the first time. You know, it's the first startup I started locally with local team, everything kind of local. So Double was actually the second product of the company. So there was actually one more product before that. Uh, it's called Loophouse. And that was actually doing iBeacon solution. Um, iBeacon solution actually for shopping mall because I thought, you know, hey, in Hong Kong, there are a lot of shopping mall. There are a lot of things, you know, they probably want some interesting solutions. Again, I felt like that was a bit too early because um, now I actually start getting called regarding that. Um, but that was like way back. We're not doing that anymore. But so, so the iBeacon thing again, another lesson is I was building this because the technology was cool, but I actually had no, I wasn't a user. I don't know immediately someone that was a user. So we're building a lot of stuff without really having someone using it. But this time around, I stopped it a much, much earlier. So I think I stopped it around like nine months time. And then we start building double. And, and when we're doing double is because I, I had kid. Uh, while I was doing this startup and there was just a lot of errands and things that I don't want to do. My wife was my double before we had kids. So because she had kids, she can't be my double and I need to find someone else. So we kind of start doing it. Um, and I talked to this one, I talked to a lot more user, you know, find out, Hey, you know what? This is something people are not going to say no to. Um, so we kind of started that. Can you tell a little bit more about the product of double? Is a, a personal assistant. I'll, I'll actually, I'll say it's an executive assistant for SME, on-demand executive assistant for SME. So the way it works is, at the time, the first version is we expect everyone to be on Slack, mistake, um, but we basically build things that talk to your Slack. Uh, we have a dashboard, and, and the, I think the interesting thing is you're really talking to a double. Um, you're actually not talking and not assigned to a particular person. So we try to do this thing where anyone can come in and pick up your tasks if they need it. Uh, we can rotate. 
everyone only need to remember double. We don't have to remember anything else. So we kind of did that. We we also charged money for it, and and we were I think we were actually unit positive. Why didn't that work? Why didn't that work? Great question. I think we I looked at it, and the two reasons. Number one, uh, at the time my co-founder didn't want to do it anymore because of family reason. Um, he has to go back to Vancouver, so I respect that. And he was actually doing a lot of the ops and business side of things. I was running product engineering. And that was also because of Double, I realized that there was certain thing that I'm not good at and I don't enjoy doing. Um, and one of those are really ops. I don't like to work on things that are what I call undeterministic. Because in order for, it, it takes a very different skill set to ensure all these people or agents actually deliver the first service that you want. For me, my ideal double would be someone that is almost like, you know, chief of staff type, not just like a PA or, you know, a secretary type of thing. So these people are actually really hard to find. And these people usually, the funny thing is, it actually doesn't matter how much we pay these people, right? We actually couldn't get that level of sophistication, right? And because if they actually do can demand that, they have a much better career path elsewhere. So they're not going to come and do what we do because they have, they're not making a name, they're not attaching to their boss, right? You cannot promote along with your boss, you know, like a lot of other uh, organizations. So I think the business model thing just doesn't quite work. Um, and I just feel like, um, I, I just feel like, this is not something I'm 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 best equipped to do. So at the time I stopped. So we actually have quite a bit of money left at the time. Um and but we stopped and I was like thinking what I do and at the end I I couldn't think of something. I don't want to rush it. So I end up kind of returning the money. To the investors. Yeah. Uh, you were a solo founder on that one, right? No, I so I, I got started um P T M P product. I raised a little bit of money. Big mistake again. I wouldn't do that again. Um, and then I find a co-founder. The first co-founder didn't work out. Um, and then the second co-founder, um, we start to build something in business size, you know, and, and we have more clear things that I don't touch and he touch. And so we're actually working pretty well, you know, relationship-wise. Just he, uh, he doesn't, he can't do it. He can't spend too much time on it. And, and the biggest, and also biggest kind of lesson learned was we have very different expectation on what this startup really means. I was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm going to have to make it because I've been trying to do this. I failed so many times. I really need a, you know, a small win per se. Um, to him, who's actually very successful, he retired basically. He doesn't really need to do this. Um, so the different level kind of expectations and how, how hungry you are. Um, so that kind of, I wouldn't say create friction, but it's just, you know, hey, I want to, I want to go head down really crazy on this. But he was like, okay, well, it's okay if it doesn't work. And so I was, I, I was a mentally kind of positioned myself um, to kind of push that startup forward. You said uh, you, you raised money pre-team, pre-pre-product. You, you said that was a mistake. Was it a mistake for you, for the investors, uh, for the team, for the product? Mistake was for me. I think I because the easy, the the money kind of came easy and. I didn't have a plan at the time and I was rushing it. So I was like, okay, we got this. We're going to have to do this. And we kind of have some directions where we don't know exactly what to do. It's almost like, oh, you have a team here. Then let's start build something. 
you know, because a team here, we can't, you have to, there's a pressure that you have to give them work, right? I think a mistake is how I treated this opportunity. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that this is something that people shouldn't do, um, but it was mistake on my side that I didn't handle it well. Like it, it was, to be honest, like, hey, you know, PT and P Prada, you get some funding, you have runway and you can think about this and take things, you know, there's no, 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 so-called no pressure in sense. Um, but I kind of screwed it up. There are probably a lot of listeners right now thinking like pre-product, pre-team, raising money. I want that too. <laughs> like, how did you do that? What, what, what was the, the, the leverage that you had to be able to raise pre-team, pre-product? Was it your, your sparkling personality? Was <laughs> it your, your previous experience? Was it your personal network? Was it your best friend you just said, like, hey, here is some money, uh, do something, go play around? Or I definitely contribute to most, most because of kind of the brand name, you know, YC, Apple, Bay Area people coming to Asia. At the time... I'm always kind of the one that has like a lot of ideas and I think I work well in the investor world. Like I, I, I in a sense, I, I talk their language, I'll inspire them or they inspire me and we're kind of on the same wavelength. So it's, it's always very easy to kind of get connected and build trust and build relationship with with investor. Uh, and that particular investor, I kind of knew him. He actually not, not an investor in my YC company, um, but he was also very aggressive kind of starting to build a name for himself. Um, so he took a chance on me. And I think he's very successful right now with, with you know, his fund and stuff. So good for him. So at that point, there were some co-founder issues. Yes. Uh, quite often spoken on this, uh, on this podcast are co-founder issues. How do you handle like onboarding a co-founder? How do you do that with like, I don't know, a co-founder agreement? Uh, how do you split equity? Do you have something like standard that you have for yourself? Like, hey, if I onboard a co-founder, then at least these and these and these things should be in place before they even start touching uh, anything at the company or what? I think the logistics side of things. I think logistics sides are a very self-contained, right? There's only like a list of things you have to do. You know, the equity uh, agreement, vesting schedule, um, all those are relatively easy. Just basically standard. Um, you know, any any kind of startup founder you work with, or even they probably have uh, available uh, uh, document kind of sample available online right now that anyone can use. So we definitely want to do that, um, you know, vesting schedule on that. Do you have something like standard investing schedule, like one or four or what, what? Ah, okay. So I used to do four years standard vesting. So when you clip and monthly, I start recommending it and to... Um, to my own startup and also uh, company that I advise, we're going to do five years back weighted. And we changed the, uh, basically, not the vesting schedule, but we changed the term where we actually allow the, uh, allow the employee to actually hold on to the options much longer than normally would after they leave the company. So the, the reason why five years, because it's, it actually takes longer time now, I actually think, to make a really big impact. It's back weighted is allow you to get more equity to your team without the risk, right? So if at the beginning, they were not really doing well, it was actually smaller portion. But if they're really contributing, and if you expect a normal team, you know, first year in startup versus like the third year, the fourth years, 
they probably would be doing things that are a lot more significant, right? So the equity kind of worked that way. And having it, you know, normally it's probably 30 days to 90 days, the employee have to exercise them. For me, I feel like all the alumni are still kind of contributing it because, you know, they may go somewhere else, they recommend our place, I'll do DDU with them. So I want, I want everyone to ever kind of touch and go through the door, continue to help the company. And this is why I really like the fact that, you know, we, we changed the last day. So it's valid five years, basically. It depends. It's like four years, five years. Just, just don't do it in months, right? So that when someone have to leave for whatever reason, um, they still hold on to, they, they're still entitled to the option. It's also like, if you think about it, hey, you know, the option is granted because of the past performance, right? It's, it's kind of like, why are you taking them away when they leave, right? If you have to use that as a golden handcuff to them, you may be hiring the wrong person. And what's your opinion between and uh, the difference between vesting and reverse vesting? Like, uh, did oh, you what, work? What is reverse vesting? Uh, you don't know what the reverse vesting is? Then basically what, what happens is uh, as of the bet, somebody gets a percentage. But if they leave before a certain date, they have to give back equity. Oh, okay. Why? Because at that point, everybody is already, uh, it's a way to do it. Let's put it that way. Uh, but then, for instance, if you are co-founders, then at that point in, in voting rights, two founders or three founders, four founders, they already have all the shares. Unless they would leave in a, yeah, before their okay. reverse vesting time and before their cliff time, then at that point, they will have to hand it back. I know sometimes you have to do it because of the company structure, uh, because you don't you don't have this option thing for a certain. I forgot was that Hong Kong or some some other country, um, but I think I think vesting makes sense. You know, it's almost you you serve your time and this is what you get. So so to answer your question, I'll probably say vesting just because it's le much less paperwork. Because usually very stressful if you you know someone leaving or you had to let someone go. If you're doing this, this is almost hey, you know what? You remember I gave you this? <laughs> say I'm taking it back. It is not gonna make the conversation any smoother. Talking about letting somebody go, like when was the first time you had to fire somebody, and how did that go? I, I don't like to use that name fire. Uh, we let someone go. We hired them out basically um, one month, one or two months after I see, and he was our third co-founder. And the co third co-founder, we brought him on board while we were in YC. Um, so me and my partner gone in and we have never done anything web. So it's, oh, oh, we need someone. And so let's find a co-founder and someone recommended it. And so, okay, it seems okay, you know, and, and we brought him, brought him on, right? He was a founder, he, he built out of stuff. So he's a talent that it's just, there's, the, you know, the, the, the energy um, kind of, we didn't work as well. Um, and we were inexperienced, right? This is, this is, you know, another thing I learned is a lot of these are both-sided, right? And I, I definitely didn't handle this well. My, the Justin guy, the, the little kid, you know, he had been telling me, you need to let that person go. You need to let that person go. Cause I've been like complaining. I've been like talking about the situation and I didn't want to do it. And I, I finally did. And I told him, I said, like, wow, lucky that you didn't get sued because I didn't do it right. Like, like it was just like, you know, one morning, hey, I didn't work out. I'm gonna have to go. Here's the paperwork. Uh, really bad. Like I, I, I apologize afterwards. Oh, was a good friend, and he's very successful. He's doing other thing. Uh, good for him. That was the first one. Uh, in fact, I, 
I'm not proud of this, but I actually let go all my co-founders for every startup that I did, for all the co-founders that I did, I had. What does that say about you? As it's probably a- me. <laughs> it, it definitely, I think it was me and it was, I think doing startup and I think going up in general is self-reflection, right? You know, um, and you know what your blind spots are. And I know what people that I would enjoy working with. I know how I can set it up so that I don't get disappointed and then kind of start that issues, like, you know, doubts and worry kind of start to come, like, like start to grow, right, in the relationship. Um, I also kind of learned that co-founder relationship is just like any relationship. It needs nurturing. It needs, uh, it's not just work. Um, so a lot of this, you know, I was, I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic, but I'm like, when I'm in, I'm like all in kind of thing. I jump in head down and expected the other person to do so. And sometimes what happens is I may attract people that are not as crazy or as, you know, energetic so-called as me. So that's why, that's why you always kind of have to scab and sometimes, you know, they do good work, right? It's just like my, my expectation is just didn't work out and I have, I have a lot to I, I took a lot of responsibility for that. I think to, to start with, a lot of them shouldn't even be my co-founder. Uh, second, I should have handled the situation better. Um, I think I definitely learned and, and do it a much better way. You've been an advisor in many companies. Is there, in hindsight now, that at one point you gave some advice, but now in hindsight you think, I shouldn't have given that, ah. and I'm sorry about that? Like just in... Quick response. Great, great question. <laughs> Quick response. Quick question. Uh, I don't think I did. And the reason why is I actually braced myself. Everyone I work with at the beginning, I was like, well, I'd love to work with you. But the first advice right, I'll say is don't listen to me. And I'll say, you know, this, I, I'm, I'm here to give you a different perspective. I'm here to be a sounding board. I'm here to kind of think through this logically. I'm here to kind of support you emotionally as well. Um, so I try to kind of set that up. So every time I say something, I usually try to phrase it or frame it into perspective and data point. And what's something that's not a secret, but most people don't know about you? A lot. Uh, I did not get on the stage uh, when we were having, uh, doing, doing a YC demo day. So it wasn't me. It was my co-founder. Uh, but I actually did all the fundraising and all the other talk. The reason why I wasn't on the stage was because he he was a native speaker and I wasn't. So you know, and I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe it's better that way. So we kind of I did. I actually never stood on. And 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 at the time, it wasn't even like both of us got on. I actually it was never on the stage. <laughs> if like at that point, and if something from this talk you really want to drive home for the audience like what would that be like what 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 would be the thing that you really want people to take away from this talk startups are hard um but i think i i feel like it's worth it um but don't do a startup for the wrong reason because if you just want to start a side business or whatever you don't have to do a startup startup right you can always do a side business I want to thank you for your valuable insights and sharing your lessons learned in startups. For the listeners, although the rating system of podcasts is hideous, 
If you like this Mea Culpa series, you can rate this podcast with five stars as a motivation for the makers. I want to thank Mizuho Crowdbrain in Hong Kong for being the venue sponsor for this episode and also thanks to Kopi Ventures for making this series possible. This is Jeffrey Brewer. Go out and build something meaningful.